proceed to the consideration of an eleventh objection which has been raised relative to the truthfulness of the Bible, and therefore related to the question, what do we know about the truthfulness of God from the Bible? It is objected that there are mistakes and contradictions in historical accounts appearing in various parts of the Bible record, and therefore that the Bible is not strictly truthful. This objection is indeed important because if we cannot accept the Bible as truthful in minor details of history, neither can we accept its truthfulness on the major facts of revelation. If the Bible is not truthful on small events, how can we know that its testimony about the person of Christ, his miracles and teaching, and his atoning death are true? The Bible stands or falls, therefore, as a unit. If proved true, all must receive its testimonies. If false, where shall we turn for truth? We are faced with the facts of the existence of the Bible, with its astonishing history. In spite of its enemies, who have endeavored by every means to destroy the Bible, it has lived on through nearly 1900 years, has been translated into well over 1,000 languages with many more dialects and variations. Up to 1953, the American Bible Society alone had distributed nearly 450 million copies. Consider what the total circulation of the Bible has been. The Bible is more widely quoted by great men than any other book in existence. The Bible has come down to us as a collection of individual writings of some 38 authors assembled in 66 books. These authors made most unusual claims and spoke forth with authority, bluntly saying, Thus saith the Lord. It has been said that over 1,500 times in the Old Testament alone appears claims to divine authority. Moses spent two 40-day periods on the mountain with God when his life was sustained by miraculous means and recorded the things that God had commanded him. The prophets had profound revelations from God and were greatly persecuted when they spoke and wrote with all boldness. The apostle Peter summarized how the Bible came to be written in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit of God came upon devout and consecrated men and revealed to them the profound truths of God and then overruled their writings so that they wrote with precision and accuracy. Our Lord Jesus gave great authority to the Old Testament, which was his Bible. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, we have the Lord's words in the wilderness where he was tempted. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
So the Lord Jesus believed in the inspiration of the Old Testament. Then in chapter 5 of Matthew, verses 17 and 18, we read these words. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So even small things uh, prophesied and spoken of in the Bible would be fulfilled according to the words of the Lord Jesus. The Bible was connected with power in the expression of our Lord Jesus, as in Matthew 22, verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, they were raising speculative problems, uh, trying to trap him. Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. So our Lord Jesus associated the visiting power of God with the existence of the Bible. In the 24th chapter of Luke and verse 25, our Lord Jesus censured his disciples for not receiving all that the prophets had spoken. Our Lord made provision for the writing of the New Testament, as we read about in John chapter 16 and verses 12 to 15. I have yet many things to say unto you, our Lord Jesus said, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. So here our blessed Lord promised his discouraged disciples, as they viewed his going away, that they need not worry, that the gift of the Holy Spirit to indwell them would lead them into an understanding of the truth and would lead them to record accurately the things for posterity. The great apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, affirmed that he used words which the Holy Ghost teacheth. He summed up the inspiration of the Bible in that great verse, in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. In view of these profound things, we ought to come to the Bible in a reverential attitude and exercise patience in the solution of every problem which we think exists. The Bible is the most outspoken book in the world against our sins and is disturbing in its threatened punishments. It appears evident that most of the critical expressions about the Bible have come from those who oppose its principal claims and have found fault in a destructive attitude. If we have honest difficulties, God will grant us light and understanding. But if we are just trying to find fault with the Bible, 
so that we can excuse ourselves from following it, then we will be left with our doubts. If we are sincere and honest in our approach to the Bible, there are certain things that will characterize our investigation. We will assume that the writers of the Bible were sincere and honest men and purposed to present the truth of God as it was revealed to them. We should endeavor to bring our minds to understand as clearly as possible the historical facts of their day so that we may view the situation that confronted them and have before us somewhat of their perspective. Then we should not be impatient to solve every problem at once, but be willing to wait for further developments in history. Many critical scholars would have saved themselves much embarrassment had they been a little slower to voice their fault-finding. For example, critics have mentioned some nations of people spoken of in the Bible which were not mentioned in secular history and have said that the Bible was in error in mentioning these nations and that there were no such peoples as the Bible recorded. The Hittites, for example, are mentioned over 65 times in the Old Testament, whereas before 1884, secular history had no record of this strong nation. Scoffers said that the Bible was in error. But a missionary of Damascus during that year made an archaeological discovery and published his findings. Further, in 1906 to 1912, other expeditions recovered about 10,000 clay tablets which revealed that the Hittites were an important people and formed an extensive empire of the ancient world in Asia Minor from about 1900 to 1200 B.C. Archaeological expeditions have uncovered tremendous walls that extended around cities and other accomplishments of their civilizations. Thus, if we find historical mysteries or problems in the Bible, future discoveries will certainly remove them and show the Bible to be true as to its record. Then further, we should allow the Bible to explain itself or should let the Bible interpret itself. The Bible is a harmonious book. One part should not be interpreted in such a way that it would contradict in some detail another part. This is what we do with any author which we seek to understand on a given subject, is it not? We seek to modify or interpret one part of his work by what we find more definitely set forth in another part. The Bible should certainly be given this opportunity to explain itself, and when we do so, many of the supposed difficulties disappear. We should study a verse of the Bible in its context, or with a consideration of a whole chapter, or possibly the whole book in which it appears. This will safeguard our interpretation. Apart from this principle, most anything could be proved from the Bible. For example, even an atheist can be substantiated from the Bible on this basis. 
we could take a text, for example, from Psalm 14.1 and read, There is no God. But when we read the whole verse, we stand corrected, for we then read, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. The whole Bible, therefore, must be taken into account in dealing with a given subject. Some have endeavored to establish that there is no place of eternal punishment from a forced interpretation of a few obscure passages. But many plain passages of the Bible would be meaningless if there is no hell. Others, along with this, have denied the immortality of the soul. But other scriptures plainly affirm man's unending existence in a realm of conscious reality. Thus, by taking the whole Bible, we are guided aright, but we shall have to continue. Our Heavenly Father, receive thanks abundantly for thy precious word, the Bible. We pray that many may give it more solemn consideration, and by it may be led to repent of sin, exercise faith in Christ, be reconciled to thee, O God, and go on to serve thee happily, now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.